Good morning. Thank you. You can be seated. Yeah, quite often there's applause for getting to sit down, right? But if you guys don't want to do that, that's fine. Hey, welcome to Into One. We're glad you're here. We're going to start again today with telling yourself the truth. We've been trying to do this from the beginning of January, moving on, putting truth into our heads because we're so familiar with putting other stuff into our heads, right? We put a lot of lies in there and we let them sit there, we let them linger there, and we let them grow there. So what we wanted to do is get into a habit of putting truth in first and then if you put some of these statements together and build them, like we keep printing them out for you, you can build this and have yourself a little, I don't know, a warrior's chest. And when your mind starts doing things that you don't want it to do, when you go down a path that you wish it wasn't going down, you pull these things back out and you read through this. You don't argue with what's in your head. You read through this and you simply put truth in and realign yourselves in another way. So today, tell yourself the truth. Say it loud. Say it proud. Here we go. Today, I am a temple, a dwelling place of God. His spirit and his life dwells in me. And we take those statements from 1 Corinthians. Um, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temples? And that God's spirit dwells in your midst. And then from farther down in in, um, chapter 6, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. This takes us forward. It drives us onwards and it reshapes the way that we think and the way that we live because of what is true. Now, today's a Checkpoint Sunday. Checkpoint Sundays, we set aside as something a little bit different. And when we do that, we are trying to take the flow that we are used to and not let it just linger, right? We try to break the flow up every once in a while to say, I need to remember. I need to remember what God has done in the past. Ancient past, distant past, my past. I need to choose to stop and remember that. I need to reevaluate where I am. And so that's part of what today is about, to pull you in a direction to reevaluate where you have gone since the last checkpoint. We use the language of checkpoint because we say that we're on a road trip together in earnest pursuit of Jesus. So periodically we stop to check to see where we are. That's what a checkpoint is. So at the end of the service today, we're moving towards communion. Before we get there, we have to remember, reevaluate, and then choose to refocus our hearts and our minds. So also on a Checkpoint Sunday, we ask that the kids stay upstairs. So regularly we send them downstairs. So here's the, oh man. Um, if, you're, if you're five and under, we have a time, and this will be for you where you can go now. But if you're over five, we also have our uh, kids' activity bags up here. So if you would like to come up and get your activity bag now, you can do that. While they're grabbing that, you can watch my friends tell you why we need to stay focused. Your friend is looking fat Cause he sits at home all day with his cat You could try giving him a yoga mat But he might not like that But stay positive When the girl at work is feeling sad She's way behind and the boss is mad Give her a hand that she has not had And let her know it's not so bad Stay positive All right, so as we are going along, we've already said, um, hey, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Graham, okay? Sometimes I kind of forget that you might not all know my name. 
I'm Graham. Really nice to meet you. Um, we're on a road trip in earnest pursuit of Jesus. That's what we say. That's what we focus on, and that's what we're trying to do. In that, we are trying to help you, me, us, build faith. I can't give you faith, and I, I can tell you about faith, but I, I can't give it to you. But what we are going to try and do is to create an environment. And in this environment, we believe that you will have the potential to have faith come at you. You'll have the potential to have faith experiences. And so we try to focus on five faith catalysts. We use these as emphases to try and set you up for opportunities wherein faith will be discovered. And when you discover faith, you'll have another little step. And it grows, right? We've been talking through this whole base camp series that we've been working on that we're taking a break from today. Talk about trust. That we trust God. And trust that grows up turns into faith. Faith is some, a little bit stronger of a term that says, I'm, I'm going to trust on an ongoing basis. And last time we were talking specifically about coming into this place where we start this relationship with God through trust. As we take another step forward, it becomes faith and the whole process, the whole process is managed by this stuff called grace. Grace is incredibly important to everything that we be, do, and say. Because most people who have a reference to God have a reference to the sense that God and church, it all means rules. I can't do this that I really want to do, and I, and I have to do that that I don't want to do at all. And we're trying to tell you the message very clearly. The grace of God says, you do these things as a gift to God, we, we don't do anything because we have to. There, there, there is, there's no rule that says you, you must or God won't like you. We do it as a response to what God has done for us. And in doing that, it draws us closer and deepens our faith. So the five, five faith catalysts that we have been trying to focus on, the first one is practical teaching. So that we give you stuff Hopefully, it's something that you can live right out. We stop at checkpoints to try and make sure it's not just cerebral, that there's going to be some sort of I must change the way I behave kind of sense, okay? So practical teaching is first. Private disciplines. We would encourage you to participate in things that you do on your own as exercises, as uh, ways to connect yourself to other people and to God. We would encourage you also to discover what your gifts are and to use them in personal ministry, that you would be involved in touching the lives of someone else, in participating in some way. If you want to get to God, if you want to get to know Him, I mean, if you, if you want to have a relationship that grows and is significant and it's beyond, I go to church on Sunday and I don't do this, if you want something that makes it real, you must get involved in ministry. So many times people say, oh, I just want to get to know God better. You want to? Love His children. Okay, that's the way we get to any parent. Love their children well. So if you want to get to know God well, love his children. Be involved in some sort of ministry. We've got a board that's been set out on the doorway uh, just out there that has some suggestions. They're not the only ones. Those are just some that we've got set up. Ways for you to get involved and get connected. We also believe in providential relationships. We believe that we meet our opportunities as we go. If you read the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, it's fantastic for this because uh, Mark constantly writes with, and then suddenly, and then it happened, and then over there, and it was, everything's immediate, and it just keeps happening. And some of the best stories that you know about Jesus happened in, in between what, what Jesus was trying to really do. So on my way to this place, something happened. 
And he responded well in that time. And so we try to encourage you to be the same way. That those relationships that just appear out of nowhere, those are ones we want you to target and focus on and say that interruption, well, that's an opportunity. That's not ruining my plan or God's plan. That is actually opening the door to letting me participate. And so we say providential relationship, this can grow my faith. We also address pivotal circumstances. Pivotal circumstances are, well, exactly like they sound. They're on a pivot point. Because of this moment, I can say, I will never have anything to do with God again. Because of what happened here, God, forget it. I'm done with you. How could you be this if you're that, right? And we, maybe we've already said that. We know somebody else who said that. But the same, the same event, the same circumstance can also lead you to, wow, because I have seen this so clearly, now I will. Now I will be part of the solution. Now I will do something that I would never have dreamt of before, but because of this moment, I will change what I'm going to do. And the beauty of this is how it works together as a body. A body, that's us, a family, a congregation. We need people to translate circumstances for us. Because when you're in the midst of your world coming apart, an explosion, you can't see clearly. You know you can't. But in that time, you feel like you do. And I'm going to make my decision, and it's going to be severe, and it's going to be extreme, and that's it. Well, you need somebody else to come around you to remind you of the larger story. To say, is this really the direction that you want to go? Is that really the ultimate decision that you want to make? Do you want to walk away from that relationship and say never again? Is that really what you want? Pivotal circumstances, we use them to drive ourselves back to God and deeper to God that our faith would grow and increase. So um, today I wanted to focus a couple of, because you know what, these things are never like one by itself okay? You don't sign up for just personal ministry and nothing else, okay? It doesn't work like that. So today I want to talk a little bit about a private discipline, and that's going to overflow into personal ministry because it, I don't know, it just has to, all right? So today what I want to do is one of the phrases that I like to use um, to help focus my mind and my heart and the way I live is eyes up. We have the opportunity to put our eyes wherever we want, and there are many things that draw our eyes to places, Facebook is a great one. Facebook is a great way to have your eyes down, all right? When people write stuff in there, they write stuff that's crazy. It's, it actually is crazy. It's, it's insane. And they're, they're outraged, and they're always upset. And I'm not saying you can't use it, but just understand what you're getting. Once you've read that for about, I think I read a thing last night. It's a confession, okay? I think I read last night for about seven minutes on a stream something to do with politics. And I can't remember if it was our country or, or the, the states because that's all we hear about because someone's being dumb, right? That's what the, everyone says. Oh, they're terrible. And I, go, and I read it for a while and I go, what the heck am I doing? They're just all angry people saying angry things. No one's changing anything. They're not adjusting the way they behave. They're just mad. So eyes up. I choose to put my eyes on where I would like to be. I choose to focus on where my heart would be. I choose to go to where God is calling me forward. And when I do that, it changes the way that I live. That's why we've been starting services in 2017 with Tell Yourself the Truth. That this idea of putting my heart and my mind in the direction of where I want to go makes a difference. So put it in your head, eyes up. When you're in a circumstance and you, can, you have a choice to tell someone else, 
You'll never be or imagine if. You'll never imagine if. Choose imagine, right? Choose this direction. Choose to speak into reality, possibility. Eyes up. Not what you're doing wrong, but what you could do right. We'll focus in that way. And this will be a growing way that we as a church respond to our community as well. Because you know what we're famous for? And I don't mean us specifically, but the Christian church, we're famous for being against stuff. You know what I'm against? You know what God hates? You know what's a horrible sin? And we, and we tell people that. We tell them from a distance. And so before they ever come near us, all they know is that they're angry about something. And I don't know why they're so angry. And they attach all those labels and they throw them on us. And we go, we've earned some of those. All right? We need to earn a new label. And we're going to do that by responding in a different way with eyes up. What are we for? Not what are we against? We're for good families. We're for strong, healthy relationships. We're for kindness. We're for generosity. We're for love. We're for forgiveness. We're for grace. These are things that we are for and we can unite behind. And as we do that, the, the vision that other people will get when they look at us will change. And when they look at us, you know who else they're looking at? They're making a decision about God when they look at us. And when they see in us, they say, well, God must be like that. God must be angry all the time. God must be waiting to judge people all the time. We have told lies about our God unwittingly to try and protect him, to try and defend him. When all he says is, I want to love, please come that I might love you and that I might be able to lead you in a way that'll be best for you. So we're going to change our focus and we're going to drive it by eyes up and telling ourselves the truth. So we're going to focus in, in, in a couple of weeks, this week, and then we'll, you know, so maybe a couple of checkpoints. We're going to keep hitting these again. Words to live by. That's what we're going to do. Because your thoughts matter. They matter to you. They matter to those around you. And they matter to God. So um, last year in January, we did a series. Does anybody remember last year in January? Quick test. The... Gifted, right. Oh, you hit it. Exactly right on. The gifted. And we did a series where we talked about different spiritual gifts. What do they look like? Uh, what do they mean? And how do we use them? And how to identify yourself? And we, and we focused in that. And it was, it's incredibly important for us figuring out how we're going to be involved in ministry is to use your giftedness, right? You were, you were gifted in a certain way, so we apply that. And that releases life from you. No longer just an obligation in a sense of I've got to be there and I've got to. It's life. I get to do that. And so we did this series called Gifted, and we studied that, and we learned some of the ways that we behave. And so one of my giftings is encouragement. It's, it's not bragging, okay? When I say that it's a gifting, I mean the Holy Spirit gave me a gifting to do this. And it's not just a gifting, it's a desire to do it. And I know that you don't all have it, because we're all different, and you're gifted in different ways. But one of my gifts is encouragement. That's what God uses me to do. So it's not about what I'm good at. It's about what you need to get from me. Because when God built this configuration, he built it with certain pieces. And those pieces all have certain roles to play. One of the roles that I play in this body is encouragement. So when I don't use my gift, you don't get what God has for you. 
The same is true when you don't use your gifting. We don't get one of the things that God brought you here for. So we have to serve. Anyways, um, what gift do you have that you are using for the development of the church? I don't mean this church. I mean the church. We can use this church specifically, but sometimes we use capital C church, which means the church that's all across the world. What are you doing? What gift do you have that you are using to build that church? And because it's checkpoint, we're going to try and get into some of the stuff that's behind what we do. So what gift do you have that God gave to you that you are not currently using to grow his church? This is not about guilt, okay? Understand that I have no patience for guilt. When I bring something like this to you, what I am telling you about is freedom. Jesus died to give us freedom. Freedom from guilt, freedom from shame. When I tell you about freedom, that's part of my job because this freedom develops your faith. That's what I'm supposed to be doing, okay? I'm supposed to teach you and I'm supposed to equip you and I'm supposed to challenge you and move you into a deeper walk with God, which turns into faith, right? What we're trying to make here is an environment where you increasingly live in faith, where your sense of trust grows, your hope increases. You experience increased levels of love. And by increasing the experience means you participate in a loving environment. And we offer and recognize grace. I want this great thing. I want this great thing for me. I'm selfish. I long to be part of a community that is defined in this way, but I want it for you too. I want you to be able to live in a place where this is what it looks like to be all around us. Do it for you, serve, but do it for us too. We need you. We are in need of what you have been given. So when we sit in church, we quite often sit in kind of rows and we look forward, right? Everybody look at me. But look around. God is calling these people together. And he is providing us with what we need to move forward. You see where this is? You are what we need to go forward. We are in need and God is answering that need with the gift of you. You are part of the solution to the needs that we pray for and say, God, help us. God, provide for this. God, move us forward. Cause us to be compelling and beautiful. Beautiful in this community. You're part of what makes us compelling and beautiful in this community. A building is one thing. It is only one thing. We know that this same building existed here for years and there was a sense in this community that people didn't know it existed. We are going to change that. We are going to animate this place by the gifts of the Spirit that He has given to us and we will fan them into flame. And as we do that, we will choose to put our eyes up and as we put our eyes up, we will focus on Jesus and as we do that, we will tell other people we focus on Jesus and as we do that, He will draw all people to Himself. Not so that we win, not so that we have a big congregation, but so that freedom is found. So that lives that are filled with hopelessness and despair 
are filled with love and hope. That's our mission and that's our goal. We bring people to Jesus because Jesus makes a difference. He transforms the way that we live. All right? I get to sit on a licensing board for our denomination. And a licensing board is uh, anyone who wants to work within the denomination has to go through and get quality control. That's sort of what it is. Some of you, I'm sure you've had to face a, a licensing board to get your, your um, degrees to be able to practice in certain areas. And you have to go and you have to get board certified, something like that. You have to go through. And so I sit on one of these boards. And the interview that we do, it's a big deal. Honestly, it is. It's challenging. It's comprehensive. And it's intimidating. I know it is because I had to do it too. And when we're there... There's three or four interviewers, and we sit at a table, and we try to not make it one side, the other side, but there's a limit to what you can do. So we basically are on one side and the other side, and we're there to interview, and we are there to spiritually discern the path forward, what is best for us and what is best for the interviewee. And no one actually ever believes that. If you say no, no one says, hey, thanks, because I think you did the right thing, right? Nobody wants to feel that way, and so there is a weight that's on that. So we have to do that, and the way that that comes out is usually it's a pass or it's a fail. Sometimes there's a conditional in there. And uh, sitting on this board implies a measure of authority. And I'm not the most formal guy in the world, and I'm not the guy who kind of has a strong authoritative personality or drive. That's not the way I work. And unfortunately, that's the way I understand authority sometimes. Authority must always be someone who takes a fist and pounds it on a table. And I'm wrong when I do that. But that's, that's part of my issue that I'm trying to get healed from as well. But I like these events to have celebration and to have significance. And in my experiences doing that, I don't think that I got that feeling from them. There certainly was not a celebration. And the experience was... Um, they told you it was significant, it didn't feel significant, if, if you can sort of feel the difference there. And so I have decided that while I'm there, while I sit, I will make a difference and I will do what I can. I want that sense to change. So uh, pass or fail, doesn't matter. We will tell the person where they stand and then we will look directly into their eyes and each of us at the table will speak specifically into that person. This is what we have seen. This is what we have heard. This is what we are challenging you with. This is what we're asking you. Think about this more. But we go straight on at them. It's not just, hey, sorry, man, you, you failed. See you later. And we make a list. We do it. And so there was a, a recent candidate that came in, and I knew who he was. And frankly, I thought he was already licensed. The guy's really smart. Okay? He's a doctor of physiotherapy, and he's a, he's a doctoral candidate at Tyndale. Tyndale is a seminary that's in the Toronto area. He's a teaching professor there. He's from England, um, but he recognizes and divines himself as a high introvert. Do we have any introverts here? Of course, you won't put up your hand, right? Okay, um, so anyone who's an extrovert, put up your hand. Okay, so we got a lot of introverts. <laughs> anyway, uh, he's a mental processor. Oh, two hands at the back, yeah. Um, but he recognizes himself in this way, and it's been awkward for him. He is not outwardly emotional at all. His, his face doesn't give warmth quite frequently. He's, uh, you, you, he feels standoffish at times. 
and he has a coldly analytical ability about him. And because he's from England, he also has some of that standard British detachment. We don't have to have some feelings, it seems. So we got through the interview, and I encouraged him. And I, you know, I tried to be specific. I talked about this and about this and about this, and he passed. Um, and so we had this meeting, and, you know, things move along. We have another candidate, so we've got to move along. And I, and, I, and, I'm, and I meet up with him. No. If, if I were to look at him in other contexts, I would say he's the guy that gets the authority, right? He's got more titles, right? Smart guy, way smarter than I am. And so because of that, he would naturally be given a sense of authority. And I would suggest that his authority would be greater than mine because of these other things that he's done. But partially because of the authority that was given to me by sitting at the table, and partially because I've decided that I will pick up the authority that God has granted me as an individual, I will speak to him, and I will speak to him with boldness and directness, uh, encouragement. And as I did that, he was happy to enter into a relationship with me that was clearly based on the principle of mutual submission. So when we hear authority, we quite often hear it as above, over. He granted me authority in his life, and it was implicit that this would be a mutually submissive relationship. Beautiful. This is the way the gospel speaks about it all the time. This is what Jesus tells us about. This is what Paul goes on and on about. He tells us about this idea of mutual submission. And so I met him at another event. It's a crowded kind of place. And then... Uh, you know, I sat in, I see him, and then he saw me. And he like locked on me. And he just came straight at me. I'm going, okay, this is a little bit weird, right? What are you doing? And he comes right at me and he says, hey, I just want to tell you, I really appreciated what you said to me that day. And I go, oh yeah, hey, that's cool. I'm glad you really liked it. Because yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm just trying to encourage people. And yeah, go team. And let's have a good family feeling about it. And he goes, no. And he interrupted me. How rude. He interrupted me and he said, no, I want you to know what you said to me. I haven't been able to forget it. It means so much to me that you said that. He didn't thank me for passing him. He didn't thank me for recognizing that he's an intelligent man. That was not what was in there. And my words that I chose to use made a difference in him, an intense difference that while we licensed him to be involved in ministry, he was empowered. He was given a new lease. He was given new authority. He was given new ability because of the other things that I said to him. I want to encourage you to use your words to be in right relationship. And I'll remind you again that your thoughts matter. They matter to you. They desperately matter to those around you. And they matter to God. And at Into One, we say that we are all about relationships horizontally at the same time as vertically. We deal with each other and we deal with God. And you don't have a right relationship with God if it's broken down here. They go together. 
And that's why ministry is so important. It helps to focus us. That's why we take the time to checkpoint so that we can get put back together. We can get on there. So our thoughts matter. They shape the way we interact and, they, and, and the way that we use the truth of God. The way that we use the truth of God is, hey, you know what? I heard this phrase or I heard this verse or I had this and I want it. Well, how do you want to share it? That's why after Easter, we're going to look at some common ways that we and I'll include you in here, whether it's true or not, it's fine, um, that ways that we misuse Scripture, how we get it twisted. And this is, what it, this is our teaser for that. That was my cue. And welcome back to the show that rewards the one who can best misuse Bible verses. Let's meet our contestants. Now, Helen... It says here that your favorite thing about the Bible is using it to make yourself seem right. Tell us about that. Yes, well, I just get so much joy knowing how proud God is of me, and I use scripture so that everyone will know it. <laughs> that brings us to Doug. He enjoys asking intelligent questions and rational thought. Doug, tell us why you're a downer. I'm not a downer. I'm not a downer. I just don't think verses should be used uh, by... Uh, don't judge me or you two will be judged. Oh, double points oh. for both rudely interrupting and misusing scripture. <laughs> for that, Helen gets to use all of her stone-slinging skills to throw Bible verses at Doug's face. <laughs> hey, well, it looks like it. Helen is extending her lead, but when it comes to misusing scripture, it's anybody's game here on... <laughs> We'll be back, same time, same channel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to learn to laugh at yourselves, okay? That's one of the things we have to do, and this is something that we have done. We use verses, and we throw them at people, we hurl them at people, and they don't do what we would like them to do. So we're going to choose to keep our eyes up, right? And so we say this, you're going to go, oh, yeah, and now you're just going to talk about more positive thinking, mumbo, jumbo stuff, blah, 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 blah. That might be how you're responding. And others of you are saying, you know what? Great. Bring this, okay? This is what I need. I know that my thoughts matter, and I'm having trouble with them. Your thoughts matter more than you can imagine. And your posture, even right now, tells us so much about the direction of your life, where you are going and what's going on. So to highlight this, your, our, move, our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Mark it down. Take it to the bank. If your thoughts are full of faith, are they full of God's truth, you are becoming more like Christ every single day. You're renewing your mind, and you are being transformed. That's why I'm loading you up with these truth statements, right? To tell yourself the truth. Now, if your thoughts are negative, they're toxic, they're polluted, they're degrading, they're debasing, I promise you that you are not living a life of freedom. You're not living a life of victory, and that freedom is being held back from you by choices that you are making because it was for freedom that Jesus has set us free. So I promise you that if you are struggling in your actions, your behaviors, your attitudes, your relationships, because your thoughts are far from God's truth. And our thoughts and our lives, they move in the direction of our strongest thoughts, what we feed, what we give the most emphasis to. So the Apostle Paul, he wrote some stuff about this, and he wrote this in a, in, a, in a letter to the church in Rome. So we call that the book of Romans, and we're going to look at verse, uh, chapter 8, starting at verse 5. As we go there, have you ever thought 
about thinking. Before you pontificate, have you pondered? Well, there, there's stuff in here that has significantly impacted the way that I think about thinking. This is what Paul said. He goes, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, what do they think about? What do those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about? Yeah, thank you. It's written right there. It's not really that hard. Okay, can we circle that? Um, They think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, what do they think about? Yeah, there's only, there's only one person who's literate here. You have a reading class? <laughs> Thanks, Mom. They think about sinful things. You're afraid you're going to get the wrong answer, right? You're afraid of judgment? Be free. You're not judged. Um, they think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But, again, another key but We talk quite often here about big butts. The Bible's got some beautiful butts, really nice butts. This is another good butt. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. What you put in your mind is what you focus on, and it shapes who you are becoming. You think about things that please the Spirit and bring life, it leads to life. You think about things that degrade and takes you in a negative place, it takes you to death. We learned last week that sometimes the idea of life and death are used to say, in relationship well with God. It doesn't mean you instantly die, but if God is life, then a good relationship with him brings you life. And the lack of a relationship with him leads you to the lack of life. We call that death. Okay, so if we continue on in the book of Romans, we'll get to one of of my favorite passages. This thing has helped and shaped me deeply. Year after year, I come back, and I come to this place, and I think, this is what I need. I need more of this. So going to the the, the first part, the verse 1 of chapter 12 of Romans. And so, dear brothers and sisters, it's like he's writing it right to you. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind he finds acceptable. This is truly the way to worship God or to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy the patterns and behaviors of this world. Is there anything, you don't have to put up your hand, is there anything that you do more every week than copy the behaviors and patterns of this world? Is there there anything, honestly, that you do more? When you make a decision, what what is the reason you made it? What are they going to think? What do they say? What's the general flow? I don't want to stand out. I kind of want to fit in. Everybody's doing it, but it looks really nice. I want some. I'm bored here. I need that. Your challenge this week, 
We've been leading up to this whole place of what it means to understand God, to live in this faith relationship with trust with Him. How much time during the week do you spend? You'll have to look at it carefully to decide what actually fits this category. How much time do you spend copying doing what other people do, the way you run your business? Got to get ahead. The decisions you make about how to relate to people. Don't say that. The, the desire to speak to yourself with a negative first mentality. Do you know what the hardest thing about encouraging somebody else is? The vulnerability that some, for some reason you feel when you do it. And I don't know why that's the way it is. But that's the reason that most people don't want to encourage somebody else because you feel like you're emptied at that point. And maybe that's true. Maybe you did get emptied at that point. Emptied so that you could be refilled by the grace of God. So many of the places that we choose to minister will cost us something. When you decide to spend money not like everyone else, you'll feel weird. People will say, you're weird. Why would you? Why do you even care about those people in Senegal? Remember those three groups that we were focusing on this year? The Fulani, the Yazidi, and the Wolof? Most of the people around you have never even heard of them. Why do you care? Why would you give to help them? What a waste of your money. You could have got a boat. Man, a boat. Wouldn't that be nice? Nothing wrong with a boat. How do you decide what you will do and where you will go forward? So um, we're in a season of Lent. I'm not sure if you remember that. And we gave out some, some books at the beginning of Lent to help you study through. There's more books at the back on the way out if you want to take them. They're free. Help yourself. It's a very light easy, small, manageable study guide to help you go through Lent. Lent is a time for turning towards God. It's sort of what we say at Checkpoint all the time. Oh yeah, I, I kind of got caught up in what we were doing. Got to refocus, got to reset. So that's what Lent is about. The biblical word for turning is repentance. Turning from what you were doing to go somewhere else. So when you genuinely long for God, we also long for what God wants. God longs for the healing of our communities, for the relationships, and for our lives. Think of a situation, and it doesn't matter if you're, if you're 58, 85, or 8, or 5. Um, think of a relationship that you are in right now that is not going the way that you like it. Let's make it easy, just one, right? I don't want to overwhelm you. How long did it take for something to come into your head? You can choose to not do this, okay? I understand that. You don't have to. I can't make you do anything. But if you want to connect with God, if you want to have your faith increase and deepen, then try this. Think of a relationship in your life right now that needs work. It needs healing. This is something that any child can participate in with as well. We talk about learning. We talk about putting stuff in, but we must put into practice that stuff that we have learned. We must live this out. If we don't, 
We become like those things that Paul talked about, clanging gongs, symbols, just making noise. We must live this out. We need to be a group of people who act as ministers of reconciliation. That means we bring it about. It is our goal, it is our calling to bring about reconciliation. So what do you need to reconcile this relationship that you're thinking of? Think of that broken relationship, that scenario. Bring it to mind. Play it out, okay? Who has been impacted and in what ways? You can't just dust it aside. Who has been impacted and in what ways? How have you been impacted? It's imperative that you learn to tell yourself the truth and to be honest, even if it's embarrassing to say how you were hurt. How have you been impacted? Because of that, what is the hardest thing for you? What needs to happen to address the situation and to move forward? What are you willing to do to address the situation and move forward? This is the choice part, the living it out part. I know that your minds are filling with excuses, but I can't. But it's not up to me. It's not my fault. They were wrong. It's too scary. I don't know what will happen. Why should I? Ministers of reconciliation. It is helpful to put information in. I hope and I pray that as I teach you and we learn together that you can learn something and then maybe you can even smile as you're doing it. But my friends, if we take it and learn it and do not apply it, we don't live in freedom. The freedom that we were called to. The freedom that is our birthright. Our gift. And you hold freedom back from someone else. Be free. Use this time to remember what God has done. Ancient past. Your past. Reevaluate where you are today. Are you honestly where you want to be? You check in 
with the map to make sure you're going where you want to go? Are you going to end up where you tried to get to? Or have you gotten off track? It's okay. We're not here to judge you. We're here to help you get back on the right place. So before you go today, refocus. Lord Jesus, based on what you have done for me, based on what I hear you speaking to me, I hear this, I want to change, I want to adjust. Guide me forward, give me courage, give me strength, give me the remembrance to actually do these things because I don't want to live in this pit any longer. And you don't have to. Be reconciled. Repentance is a gift and it speaks of freedom as well. We long, I long for you to live in freedom. I long for it myself. And sometimes we just overlook things. God, speak to us that we might hear what you are saying. Give us the courage and the strength to move forward and do what you say. Those who love you, obey you. Not those who are afraid of you, but those who love you. Because of my love for you, God. Because of what you have done for me, where you displayed your love for me. Because of that, I want to make change. I want to see the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in someone else's eyes. I want to release that in them. And I want to be part of that. So while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. And then he took a cup. (laughs) Do you remember the bread that he took? Remember we talked about this with Passover? We've just been talking about this with the story of uh, Abraham. And then we moved to the Israelites moving out of Egypt. And and that, that night they had to leave. They had to leave quickly so they didn't have time to bake the bread. Today we have more of a cracker kind of bread. It's an unleavened bread to help us with the Passover kind of mindset as we approach Passover, as we approach Easter. This is the thing that we want there. And he said, this, this, this is my body. Think about it. Whenever you eat, think about me giving my life for you. And then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it. All of you. This is my blood of the covenant. This is my blood of the promise. This is the blood of the agreement that I'm making with you. That blood is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Those things that are rising in your heads that need to be repented of. Repentance is not condemnation. Repentance is the knock on the door that says freedom's on the other side. So if you're hearing it, repent. It's okay. Repent again. And if you need to repent again tomorrow, repent is to turn away. I don't want that anymore. I want to move in another direction. Find the freedom that God is offering you. Repentance is not a one-time thing, but this is what this process is about. He did this for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The next time Jesus participates in this, we'll participate with him, and we will never take communion on earth again. We will be united with our Lord, with our Savior, and we will celebrate like we've never figured out how to celebrate now. Like we've never been able to release in that way. Say, this is what I've been waiting for. The culmination, the fulfillment. This is what we long for, and so we anticipate that. 
We offer the gift of our obedience to our Savior out of love, not out of obligation. And the signs that we use are the signs that He told us to use. Take some bread. Take some grape, juice, wine. Take those and say, that's what I want in me. I want more of that in me. If that is your desire today, then we'd like to welcome you to participate with us in this. If it's not your desire, that's okay. Don't fake it. You're not going to impress anybody. Just be honest. We'll all be honest about where we stand. If you would like it, this to be where you would go, then come with us. We're going to go to the back. We'll just go when, when you're ready. Take some time and you pray. Set things straight. Repent for what you need to be repenting for. Focus your heart and your mind on the reconciliation that you can participate in this week. The direct application of the teaching that we have had. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gifts that you have given to us. Thank you for your obedience. Thank you for your submission. Thank you for giving your life for me. For those of us here. For each of us here. Whether we believe in you or not. Whether we trust you yet or not. You love us deeply anyways. We don't earn it. We didn't convince you that we're worthwhile. You chose us first, and in doing that, you have given us worth and us value. Today, it is our desire by participating in here that you will be the Lord of our lives and that we will continue to submit ourselves to your direction. Holy Spirit, guide us forward that we would learn to hear your voice, those promptings that call us, that call us into the Spirit-filled life. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for the gifts that you have given. Help us to choose to make an event like this significant because of the authority that we take to recognize that I will choose this. Thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. When you're ready, follow me to the back. And know the peace of God. A peace that is beyond all of human understanding. Will stand over, watch over your hearts and minds in Jesus, the Anointed One. Be blessed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You may be seated. It wouldn't be into one if I didn't tell you. It's better when you're here. It's better when we're together. The more we connect, the better it gets. God will change you, and He will use you to change me. I need you to help me, just like you need these around you to help you. I want to send you out, reminding you of some things. As you go, you are now sent to be reminded that we are Christ-centered, we are Spirit-empowered, and we are mission-focused. And that mission is for everyone, everywhere, all the time.